you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Today, as my guest, I have the fabulous Angela Sobrano. Um, Angela, I met, gosh, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. And we started working together through the network that I'd established at the time, the LBD Group. Um, We have kept in contact. Um, This woman is a woman that has inspired Uh, lots of people. She's created incredible success for many people. And as somebody, there's somebody that has really taken control of her own journey and her own version of success. By trade, Angela is a professionally trained PR consultant. Uh, She's got over 15 years of experience, having worked in PR for over a decade, gaining invaluable experience and contacts throughout the industry. She's worked with and represented within Australia some of the biggest celebrities and brands. People like Steven Tyler, Mariah Carey, Backstreet Boys, Justin Timberlake and John Farnham to name a few. And prior to opening her own agency, Flourish, she was the National Publicity Manager at Sony Music Entertainment and it was while she was there that she saw this opportunity at the age of 28 to create a new school PR agency, one that was obsessed and addicted to results. So we are now uh, nine years into that journey, so it's going to be fascinating to have a chat with Angela about this. Um, She has built a busy, dynamic, creative communications agency with a double within a double warehouse based in Melbourne's creative suburb of Collingwood. On top of that, she's also a content creator for YouTube and uploads content on business, fashion, tech and travel for her 30,000 loyal subscribers. She's also a mentor for upcoming girl bosses and she enjoys show jumping with her horse Marco. And on the back of being inspired by her beautiful horse, she's also the founder of Marco & Co. Beautiful candles. We've got many at home at the moment. So um, this woman is a multitude of things. Welcome to the show, Angela. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an introduction. I know. How busy are you? Do you ever get any downtime in this crazy world and life that you live? Well, I do now, but um, it's taken me a long time actually to find that kind of balance or having the ability to kind of switch off. But yeah, it hasn't it hasn't always been the case, but I've learnt over the last two years kind of how to kind of take a break and relax and yeah, find a hobby that helps me be completely mindful and switch off because um, yeah, it's something that I really struggled with with over the years, but I've, I'm finally getting there, I think. Oh, I'm looking forward to getting into that because I, I imagine you're not the only person that struggles with, with that thing. Now, before we get there, um, can you track back? Can you remember uh, way back when you uh, were that little girl, what you wanted to be when you grow up? Can you remember what the dream was at the time? 
Absolutely. It was always business, always, always wanted to work in business. I remember being like eight, nine years old and designing my office and I would like, (laughs) I would pull together business plans. I loved animals. I just loved animals back in the day. And I remember putting together, I must've been about 10. And I remember even like creating what I knew at the time to be a business plan um, and how my, I had a vet surgery all mapped out. And then I had a pet's hotel as part of it. I had a dog walking service as part of it and I just pulled together like this plan because I just I love business my dad's a businessman he's you know he's an entrepreneur he's always had a business at home and so working or having a business just kind of seemed like a really fun hobby um so yeah I think just from a very very young age I always was inspired by business and wanted to work in business and then I think as I got older when I I turned 16, um, I actually realised what I wanted to do, which was work in public relations. And the reason I worked out very young what even public relations was, was my dad was interviewed on a current affair back in the day. It was a good news story. It was back in the day when a current affair did some positive stories, um, which was great. And so they um, they interviewed my dad and about his small business and the success that came off the back of that, being in the office and seeing this interview with my dad who had worked so hard day and night um, in the family business and then to see the success, to sit in that office, watch the interview and see the the phone system completely light up and the phone did not stop ringing for two weeks. And I was like, all of this, like these inquiries and these sales leads were, were being generated from one TV interview and I just thought that is so cool what PR can do for a business and I saw it like really instantly turn our family business around very, very quickly and I thought, wow, that's cool. I want to do that for business when, when I grow up. Wow. So from an early age, it was in your blood, both business and PR and the passion behind it. That's, that's, that's just incredible. I don't think there's many people that can say that. Is there, a, um, is, is there a specific watershed moment in your life um, that actually resulted in what you're doing now? Is there a moment that you can remember where you go, yep, yeah, that, that set me off on the course that I'm on? Yeah, at school, like I was, I wasn't great at school. I just, I hated that school environment. I felt it was, there was too many boundaries um, for me to sort of operate in. But one day at school was really, really cool. And I felt like this moment really changed my life and put me on the path that then became, you know, what it kind of is today, I guess. Um, There was a TV show called ABC Recovery with Dylan Lewis. I don't know if you remember that show, but it was like a morning breakfast TV show back in the day. Um, They actually came to my school I wrote to them and they came to our school and they did a lunchtime gig at our at our high school um, and they recorded it and with them they brought this really cool band with them and they were actually a band from England and they lived in Australia um, and I just thought this band was the coolest thing that I'd ever seen in my life. I loved all the songs, became quite obsessed with them um, and from that moment afterwards um, I was like, I want to do PR, that thing that helped my dad's business but I want to do that for bands and artists and um, I want to help grow you know talent and and put them on the pedestal that I think they should be in or help them promote their music and get it out to the masses and so literally that day 
from after that little lunchtime gig, I got in touch with the band. I think I wrote them a letter, you know, posted it in the mail. That was back in the day when people, you know, did snail mail. Um, and basically I just started promoting them. So I created a website for them. Um, and this was way back, like, gosh, I can't even remember what year we're talking now, but it was, I was probably, yeah, 16 and, and no one really had websites back in the day. So I, I just learned how to taught myself how to do that. And so I built them a website and then I built them a fan club as well and had membership and, um, you know, used to sneak into pubs and, um, you know, create mailing lists for them and send out communications for them by, you know, um, you know, beautiful newsletters that went out every month and literally, you know, writing them and then popping them in the post and following up and interacting with the fans. I guess it's exactly what I do now on social media for many, many of our clients, but I was doing it in the old school model of it actually being, you know, pen and paper and things that literally turned up in the mail. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was the moment that I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to work with talent. And then from there I went on to work for a major record company. So I think that day really changed everything for me. Um, it really kind of highlighted exactly what I wanted to do. And at 16, I, I can't imagine many other 16-year-olds around you were doing the same thing. What I'm hearing is a significant amount of um, ownership and self-motivation to, to do this, this stuff. Where, do you, did you feel like you were a little bit different at that age of sort of 15, 16, 17 doing this stuff or was everyone around you doing the same thing? No, I felt different. I've always felt like I've never really fitted in anywhere. I still feel a little bit like that. I think most business owners probably do feel a little bit lonely and isolated sometimes. Um, but I do, I felt very different at school because I wasn't great at school, so I didn't really fit in. And I think it started much earlier when I was really little. I remember being in year three and um, and I guess I was you know, they said, you've got a learning disability. And so from that moment when they said that and I was told that, I felt very different. And and one thing that I think a huge impact um, that, that I had in my life was during year three, I wasn't allowed to go into normal classes. Um, I was pulled out of the class and had to go to one-on-one schooling um, every day for a year. And it was, it was horrible because I felt so isolated. I felt so different at such a young, impression, impressionable age. Um, and I thought, I guess like when I got to high school, it was, you know, sort of similar to get, I'd have to work really, really hard to get kind of like 70 or 80%. Um, whereas some of my friends literally wouldn't even have to study and then, you know, get 95%. So I already felt really different. And so I, I probably thought, probably looking back in hindsight, I, I, I felt like I had to take ownership of something else that made me a little bit special just that's something that I could control and I could just be uniquely my own thing because I just I just didn't fit into school and I actually begged my parents and begged my teachers to let not let me go to school camps or um you know, one day a week, I, I didn't want to go to school. So we organized this deal with my mom and dad and, and my teachers that I would go and do work experience somewhere. And I just felt like I connected with much older people from a young age. And I felt like I connected in the business world, not so much that limiting kind of um, schoolyard that I think is places so many boundaries on people that are especially creative and not so much um, intellectual. Mm. Um, there's there's so many elements of, of what you've just shared that I'd just like to, to quickly dig a little bit deeper on. So, you know, first of all, as that three-year-old getting told you had the learning difficulty, I'm imagining there are people listening to the show who equally have been told stuff um, mm. as a child that they weren't good at. Um, have you got an example of, of how 
that potentially played out as you got older and how you able overcome it in terms of um, identifying much more closely with a perceived weakness than actually seeing it as as a strength. Yeah, I think I think when I so in year three when I was when I was told kind of you know you've got learning disabilities, dyslexia was kind of getting thrown around there for a while. I remember going into year four, um, and I remember having this wonderful teacher. She was really strict and really challenged me a lot. Her name was Mrs. West. Always remember her because I feel like she really um, she really helped me. And I think spelling and words um, was always very difficult for me, which is hilarious given now I own a communications agency, and that's we do a lot of written word um, and tell stories is, is basically what I do for a living for our clients and really big clients as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know, I think it was just having someone that kind of believed in me and said, you've got this, you can do it and, and just taught me different kind of ways. Um, yeah, I don't really know if that answers your question very well, but I, I feel like it was just having the right kind of people around me um, and then much later on in life, I think, you know, um, Sometimes you do just have to cull and disconnect from a lot of people that bring you down or not so much bring you down but might trigger you into going back to kind of that earlier time that wasn't fun or that kind of just makes you feel um, not as confident as what you as what you should. Um, and so I think I think I kind of identified that. I'm pretty self-aware. So when I'm feeling a bit rubbish or um, feeling a bit insecure about myself, I'm usually like, okay, where is this coming from? Let's identify what it is. And usually for me, to be really honest, I don't talk about this much, but I think it always goes back to that thing of you're stupid. You know, I feel like um, I, I, if I can, if I pinpoint most of my issues, I guess we've all we've all got them. Um, it's if I'm feeling a bit, if someone's made me feel dumb, or someone's made me feel like I was, you know, that year three school child being told that you know you're different, you can't come into normal classes, then it really kind of does trigger something for me, and I get kind quite quite down on it. So I think for me, just identifying that, being self aware, and going, okay, I'm just not going to hang around people that make me feel rubbish. I'm going to be around people that are really smart, that um, you know, inspire me, and also encourage me and yeah I think I kind of did that a couple of years ago and um and I've just you know gone from strength to strength and feel really secure and confident in myself now and um yeah the business has never been better for it. Isn't it fascinating how we don't necessarily appreciate the voices in our heads that we're listening to mm. and uh, I don't know how how old you were when you finally were able to uh link the or align those feelings of uh of tension and angst with being that three-year-old girl and I reckon it takes many of us sometimes quite a few years to identify where these voices come from to be able to then almost renegotiate the contracts and as you've just alluded to once you once you identify that this ability to move forward becomes incredible yeah, it kind of takes the power out of it. And I'm a, you know, I like I like to control, like I am a control freak, absolutely. I think anyone that works in PR or runs an agency, you, you do have to be a bit of a, you know, control freak because you kind of, you're putting communication messages out there. You're thinking, okay, how is the public going to perceive this message? What am I going to do if X, Y, and Z plays out? You've always got a plan. So you are very much in control. And I think when you take that, um, it kind of takes the sting out of it. As soon as I can aware, like as soon as I become aware of it, it kind of just like, oh yeah, that's what that is. Oh well, I'm just going to let that go now. As soon as I identify with it, I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with it. Um, and you just sort of move on. And and it's when I can't pinpoint it, that's when I get really kind of down in the dumps or whatever, and, and kind of get very self 
cool when I can't work it out. And so I think just I was probably 35. I'm 37 now, but probably, yeah, two years ago I kind of had to stop because I, I went into business, uh, we've been in business nine years and, and for those first, you know, kind of seven years, you're, you know what it's like, you're kind of, you're slogging it out, you're doing the hard yards. There wasn't a lot of time to stop and think about me and reflect on kind of what I needed, my core needs. I kind of abandoned them for a little while just to get the, the job done um, and do a great job for our clients. And so, yeah, I think I, I think I stopped at kind of 35. I was, it was kind of, I uh, had to stop. I got very, very sick and ended up in hospital. Um, and I kind of had to stop and reevaluate life and happiness and, and kind of what was going to, you know, how I was going to change my life because I couldn't live like that forever. So at 35, I kind of just did a lot of work on myself and kind of worked out a lot of things and, oh, what a wonderful self-discovery journey that was. <laughs> so you told you alluded there again to um, a moment in time that made you reevaluate this, this, and I remember following your story um socially at the time um but you talk about getting sick what was the what was it what happened and what do you think contributed to to that yeah I had um I had a really really bad case of pneumonia and it was a it was a flu that that kind of turned into pneumonia and because I was so busy at the time I was on the road um I was very much um I was working with Living and John actually at the time and we were on the road and um and there was really really early flights and when you're on the road also trying to run a business at the same time, also trying to lead a team. We had probably about 50 different projects that were happening at the time. And I don't work on every, like don't work in every single project, but I work on them in in the fact that I'm kind of overseeing everything and, and just being across, you know, the strategy. And if I need to jump in on a project, I will. So there's a lot of like, you know, things that I was juggling at the time. And then being on the road and just, you know, not getting enough sleep, not eating the right things, um, you know, all the things that we know that we should do, I was basically abandoning um, and not looking after myself. And then when I got the flu, I just kept going and working, working and didn't stop. And, um, and then I kind of was really, really sick one night and uh, we had to have a doctor come to the house and yeah, it turns out that I had a really bad case of pneumonia and was admitted to Epworth Hospital straight away um, and I was in there for a week but basically my whole lungs, both lungs actually were filled with fluid um, and I was really sick. In fact, you know, I was hallucinating and my temperature was so high that my organs were starting to shut down. It was pretty serious mm. um, and a pretty scary time. And yeah, I was basically put on bed rest for the next six weeks and, and my family kind of stepped in and went, this has to stop. Like you have to, you have to slow down. This is ridiculous, which is really hard because I wasn't working because I had to work. I was working because I bloody love it. Like, you know, it's almost like a hobby for me. Working is wonderful and fun, but I have identified that actually resting and taking care of yourself is also part of the work. And as soon as I kind of shifted my mindset on that going, oh, I actually sleep and exercise and nutrition, that's actually part of the work. I'll be better at my job. You know, an athlete is is wonderful um, at what they do because they work so hard on themselves and their core needs to be become the best athlete that they are and I think as a business owner a business woman woman or anyone in business we've got to take care of ourselves and then the business will kind of take care of itself mm, I could I couldn't agree more now with the um with the taking care of ourselves again what I 
uh, here talked about many times is everyone has a great intention of better performing habits or higher performing habits. What are some of the the things that now have become part of your uh, everyday, and how do you how do you stick to them? You know, you really you are a very productive businesswoman with multiple businesses, and on top of that, incredible amounts of demands on your time. How do you protect um, the boundaries of keeping yourself uh, on this level of high performance? Yeah, I think it's I think it's about discipline um, and being really strict around that and having those non-negotiables. Um, I think I used to say yes to pretty much everything back in the day, and now it's just about getting you know much much more selective with what I say yes to and really thinking about okay, this sounds great at the moment, but realistically, how is this going to impact my schedule? And really planning ahead. Um, you know, I plan ahead for all our clients, so it's crazy that I wasn't planning my own schedule. And 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 then you get to the day and you're like, oh my gosh, like I've been up since four a.m. doing TV interviews for a client and, and and accompanying them to that, and then coming back to the office and having a full on day of meetings, and then actually starting my day at seven p.m. when everyone else has gone home because you've been in meetings all day. So just structuring my day has become a non negotiable. It took me a long time to get a PA after this year. It's actually this year, so yeah, it took me nine years in business to actually get a PA. It was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I ever made. I should have had a PA from day one. Um, just with the way that she helps me manage my time. But I think like the daily things for me, um, I've got a lovely morning routine now where every morning I wake up, I have a cup of tea, I'm up at five every morning and it's gratitude. You know, I write in a gratitude journal and I just get my thoughts out and I just think about all the things I'm grateful for. And and I think when I when I first went into that, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. This will be fun. Let's see how long this takes, you know. Um, and let's see how long I can keep it up for. In the first couple of weeks, I was like, I'm grateful for my house and the food and my husband and my dogs. And it was very top line. And then once you actually start doing it consistently, I found that those tiny, tiny little moments in the day, I, I was looking for gratitude throughout the day and it just helped my mindset and the way that I kind of list the things that I'm grateful for or three great things that might happen today, for example. When I write down three great things that can happen, I'm putting it out there before the day even begins and then when those things actually happen, I kind of just have a little mental smile um, in my brain because I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that was my intention for the day. And so those little rituals, um, I kind of have to do that every morning now, which is great. And then on a weekly basis, I switch off every Sunday, which Sunday and actually sometimes Mondays as well. I've been actually taking, um, you know, kind of a long weekend this year um, when I where I can. It doesn't work every single week, but we we recently just got a, a cottage down on the Mornington Peninsula where my beautiful horses are, and um, I go down there every single weekend unless we have events. But most weekends we'll be down there. Um, and my non-negotiable is really horse riding. It's finding a hobby later in life was probably one of my best joys um and finding that because when I'm on a horse and horse riding I can't be on my phone I really have to be very present and in the moment because you're in a 600 kilogram animal and you know horses can be dangerous and um, unpredictable sometimes and so it has really forced me to be very present with what I'm doing and as soon as I get off that horse I'm so invigorated and just I, I feel so much more um creativity kind of coming through and yeah it's really it's really helped with the burnout and um kind of just helping me to be invigorated in in what I do and I love Angela how you uh said that discovering 
these uh, these abilities, these capabilities actually added to the person that you already are versus taking away from that actually it's a skill to be able to I call it harnessing that hunger and managing your your match fitness Um, in the context of being a business owner and a successful business owner in the context of leading others from your perspective why why is this so important um, when it comes to leading uh, leading other people building successful businesses essentially unleashing the brilliance of of your clients and your team and yourself why is it so important I think it's important because you just I just wasn't I wasn't being the best version like especially from a like a leadership point of view I think it's allowed me like practicing gratitude or having a hobby to be able to switch off it's given me enormous perspective and I think I think I got into the trap of thinking that um you know because I came from a culture of working for a major record company that was very um it was it was in the most incredible training ground. Oh, we you know anyone that can work in the music industry works very very hard. It's long hours, and that that was really all I knew. Like when as soon as I left school and I started very young, and for me I was like, doesn't everyone work sixteen hour days? That's just the norm, right? Like you you go to work and then you go to an event that night and then you're entertaining after the event. For me, being in showbiz and in entertainment, I just thought that that's how normal business life kind of operated. So I think when I started my business, I was, I think I had unrealistic expectations on what employees should and shouldn't do. Um, And so I think just kind of stepping back and going, actually, that's not how the real world operates. People need balance and people need flexibility and you need to empower your staff. Um, And I think, yeah, I think just being able to step back and get really clear on perspective on on how what people need and I think it I think those little rituals have made me more empathetic um to to just the core needs of everyday humans because I think that's at the end of the day we we all have our stuff going on and I think I think I was probably a little bit too hard and um maybe a bit disillusioned when I first started the company um of of expectations around, you know, because my expectations of myself are very high, but I shouldn't be putting those expectations on employees. They've got their own thing and they're probably here to learn a lot from me. Um, and, you know, we, I expect, you know, that we do great work and the standard is very high, but I just had to just have a look at what I was expecting from people and I just turned my mindset of going, okay, I need to kind of give more than I than I expect and in doing that you actually you know give us gain there's I think that's been my biggest lesson in the last kind of two years with that Mm. do you think you've become a better leader as a result 100 percent 100 percent so much better you know I never used to be able to I feel bad like you know throughout because no one really teaches you how to be a leader all I knew when I started the business was PR I I knew my craft I knew how to tell a story I knew how to get it out there I knew how to speak to journalists and have great relationships with them but not really teaches you how to be a leader um and so that was difficult for me and I feel bad for some of my ex-employees because I think I had real issues with confrontation I was I wanted to be everyone's friend I wanted to be really kind because I had come from a really tough environment um you know I'd let things slip and then all of a sudden I would maybe, you know, fire someone or make them redundant and they'd be like, hang on, we were 
we were hanging out last week having laughs and everything was great. I'm like, yeah, but it just, you know, it, it was really, it was really difficult for me to have those hard conversations. Um, and then it would become a surprise when I would, would want to let someone go if they weren't right for culture or whatever. So yeah, definitely being able to step away and get perspective, speak to a lot of other business owners as well. I had to learn myself and develop. I was so young when I started the business. Um, and yeah, I think it's allowed me to kind of be a much better leader because I'm just more understanding and a little softer, I think, these days. Um, and yeah, I think that's I think that's the main point really is just just coming from a place of understanding and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and givers just gain like they do. I just I give more than I expect um, in return it these days. More, becoming more human, really, isn't it? I mean, more real about who it is that you are, um, and with that realness. Um, I reckon that, that all of us have imperfections, um, the stuff that we try and hide and smooth over, the jiggly bits that we try and tighten up and not show anyone. What do you reckon is your imperfection there? What's the thing that isn't isn't the, the greatest piece of you, but actually you've learned how to turn around? I think it's that bit about um, I'm so I'm such a positive person and I focus on the positives that I really don't look at the negatives. So if someone within the team has a negative trait, I'll, I'll brush that under the, or in the past I've brushed that under the rug and go, oh, don't worry about that because she does this, this and this so well, you know. But then that negative thing, it, it, you know, I, I should, the, I think my my worst trait is that I, I don't have those conversations quick enough or in the past I haven't had them quick enough and I, you can always feel it. You always feel like, oh, something's a bit off and I always put it off for a long time um, and then it would become my problem because then staff can become complacent or too familiar and anything that goes wrong in the business, anything, it's on me. Like it's not on them. If you've got a bad performing employee, it's not the employee's fault, it's the employer's fault. And I think and I think I've let those things go on um, in the past but I'm becoming a lot better at it now. If I feel that you know, sort of gut feeling of like, oh, I don't really like the way this is happening, I address it straight away and and just learning how to, how to have those, you know, sometimes difficult, awkward, uncomfortable conversations that need to be quite robust. Um, I'm becoming better at that, but I think I think I've really had to hone in on that and really identify and go, yeah, I'm I'm really rubbish at that. I need to, I need some help in this this area of management. What I'm loving that you're you're sharing so openly is this willingness to keep learning and this this desire to keep growing and acknowledging that. We aren't perfect and actually it's within that imperfection that we find the perfection and maybe, you know, maybe we have to have imperfection to be able to become better. Uh, and yet we're living in a society where it's all about perfect. And I'm imagining, particularly in some of your clients that you've worked with in the past, it's all about external, externally uh, looking brilliant, looking successful. Um, yeah. so it's, it's an interesting, uh, dichotomy that we're looking in, isn't it? A hundred percent. The whole industry of PR is a lot of it is, is built on kind of smoke and mirrors. You know, you're building a perception, you're building a brand, you know, and yes, you're being true and you're being authentic. Um, but it's, we're, we're storytellers at the end of the day, you know, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta be true to your core, but you gotta tell a story. Um, so yeah, a lot of the time it is a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, 
or, or and especially when you're building a like if you're helping a startup, you know that's the time where you totally have to deal with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And a lot of you know massive companies out there have, have built them on that. I remember when you know Steve Jobs was talking about it, a new computer that he was launching to investors, and he hadn't even built it yet. He was talking about it, you know, like that's that's kind of PR 101. So I think um, yeah, absolutely. There's I have a lot of clients that are perfectionists and. Um, but really no one no one's perfect we've got to keep learning and 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 being self-aware I think self-awareness has just been such a wonderful thing and it really came through my practice of gratitude and um and perspective and having a hobby that I could actually step away from the desk and not be a desk jockey all day every day and and the moment you get outside the office you, you start to see things a lot more clearly and and also you know we have clients like um Austin Health is one of our clients, a very big hospital down here in Victoria, and go and spend an afternoon at palliative care on the palliative care ward and you, you learn a lot about perspective in those moments. What sort of things have you learned from those moments? We're just, nothing's ever um, a guarantee, you know, you, you just you just don't know. And I think the moment that I, I woke up to that, like I, because I can, I try to control every aspect of my life um, and and you just, you can't because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The only certainty, unfortunately, is death. I know that we're all going to die. We, we all, you know, that's the only certainty in life. And anything else, like I just, you can't control it. I think lately, um, I, you know, my husband and I, we're trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. and I never knew that it would be so hard because it's a lot of things that a lot of, you know, women don't talk about it openly and we, we recently had a miscarriage and I never knew that, you know, one in four women actually go through um, a mi- miscarriage and, and it's and it's quite it's quite common and I, I never realised but I think just lately, you know, spending some time with, you know, clients like, you know, hospitals or, or spending time with someone like Olivia Newton-John who's raising so much money for cancer or going through my, our own journey of trying to get pregnant and I actually can't control it I'm not in control of that you know yes I can try to time it and you know and get you know your calendar synced right and and you go in with the best intentions but at the end of the day you've actually got no control over it so sometimes you just have to chill out and let life just kind of flow and take the steps and you know the appropriate steps to get to your desired outcome and your goals but also understanding that you don't, we can't control what happens tomorrow. And, and that's kind of a beautiful thing to kind of um, understand and, and finally sort of let go of as well. Who, um, thank you for sharing that and again for, for being so vulnerable. And I think, um, you know, you're right, there is, there is so much genius in what you've just said in terms of the opportunity to share and connect and the power within that connection um, to have real conversations is is really a huge opportunity. Who's who's been the one key influence in your life, and why? What did they teach you? Definitely my parents. I mean, my parents are very very supportive, but they're both very very different. My dad um, very supportive from a business uh, mentorship. Um, point of view and whenever I've got troubles in business or I need some guidance I'll definitely you know have a chat 
with him. Um, and then my mum is the complete, you know, my dad's almost, my dad's an interesting character because he's very tech savvy. He, he's an inventor, so he invents things. Um, and he's very tech savvy, but he's not he's not socially great. We, we always have a laugh and he's definitely on the spectrum, my dad, because he's socially very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so we definitely haven't got my social side of my personality from my dad. Um, but my mum is just, the, oh gosh, she's just so kind and, um, you know, she's taught me manners. And um, so, but, you know, between both of them, there's that perfect kind of package, I guess. And I'm very, it's the one thing that I am super grateful for having an amazing family, mum and dad that are so supportive um, and just believe in me. Like they're so proud and, um, and are constantly, you know, reinforcing that, which is, which is lovely. And then later in life, meeting my husband, Phil, 11 years ago, um, he's been the new constant, I guess, of you know, just just utter belief. He just, anything that I say I'm going to do, he just believes in me so much. And also I think just the way that he calms me down, I'm, you know, fairly anxious person and have had anxiety since I was a little girl, but I think Phil is my calming force. And I think a lot of this, you know, kind of um, uh, perspective and self-awareness um, and gratitude is something that Phil has helped me immensely with. And yeah, I'm so thankful for that. What would you, um, if I could bring in your mum and your dad and Phil right now, what would you like to say to them? Oh, gosh, I'd probably start crying. <laughs> just, I think it's just thank you, you know, to have to have the foundations that my mum and dad laid out. Um, you know, and we didn't grow up in a, in a wealthy family. We were always comfortable um, but very much middle class. But just being told that, you know, if you want something bad enough and you work really hard for it, for that and seeing my dad do that firsthand um just thank you you know like i if i if we have kids and we're able to provide that for our kids then yeah that's that's success for me definitely i think it's just thank you you know how else thank you and a big hug <laughs> angela this um this whole podcast is around unleashing brilliance what what does that mean to you Unleashing brilliance. I think it's. I think it's becoming true, and working on becoming the best version of yourself. Looking at your core needs and knowing that you're a work in progress. And I think unleashing brilliance for me too. It's also about redefining success. I think back when I first started the business, it was very much my success. And and if I was to define something as brilliant, it would have been probably based on financial success. Um, and these days, unleashing brilliance for me and unleashing, um, uh, I guess, you know, uh, happiness, I think, it, I think it comes down to just I've redefined success and brilliance as happiness now. And so I'm more on a journey of finding happiness and just doing projects and working on businesses and things that make me truly happy. And that's how I define brilliance and, and success these days. I love it. I could keep talking to you. We constantly have, we keep having these these regular catch-ups every other year and it's always so inspiring to hear you share so openly your journey and what you're learning and I know that through that work is how you're inspiring other people uh, to become the best version of themselves. Um, some awesome tips throughout our conversation. I loved the habit work that you've shared around uh, the, the power of gratitude and making that part of your daily uh, routine to in the morning and I'm imagining at night think about what you're you're grateful for through that day the importance of a hobby someone once asked me 
Um, so what do you do uh, to play? And it was quite an interesting interesting question to be asked. And I was quite challenged to answer it because I would suggest that many of us don't have hobbies. And um, the, the importance that you shared around having a hobby that allows you to create space to think and to just be is so powerful. And then finally, wrapping that all up in the continuing self-awareness and the exercise and the practice of learning about that, I think is is great insight. Um, a couple of other things I loved, one of those final comments that you just made of you are a work in progress. Um, absolutely. I, I do believe that um, it is in our imperfection that we become better. And this concept of a work in progress, when we're living in a world of conformity, of same, of keeping up, of how we look, I think is is giving people permission to know that um, it's a continuous evolution of who they are. And that final piece around giving yourself permission to redefine success, I think is really powerful too at different stages in our lives of understanding and owning what success means. And it's okay to be building, it's okay to be sitting, and it's okay to be evolving. So so thank you for sharing that. My final question, um, you know, we're often asked, what do we want to become? Um, my question for you, Angela, is, is who do you want to be remembered as? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think I want to be remembered as someone is who is very kind and very giving um, and very happy. I think I'm on this happiness journey at the moment. And if I can be happy and and show that through social media or show that through the channels that I've created, uh, hopefully that will inspire others. So, yeah, I think I'd like to be remembered for that. Well, I think you're already doing a great job with all of that stuff, Andrew. I can't wait to see um, where these next few years of your growth comes. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. There are so many awesome insights that I know our listeners will have enjoyed listening to. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. So lovely to chat with you. Thanks, Janine. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.